0: you make fun of me for not killing an elk this year that's fine i mean it it doesn't and i thought about this mid-season it's like you know the more years you do that the more pressure you're putting on yourself i don't like that's a good point that's very true pressure you know i want to enjoy the hunt and i really look forward to next year starting fresh
1: Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday. What's up, good buddy, Mister Benjamin? How's it going? Do you go by Ben or Benjamin? Uh, Ben usually,
0: but Benjamin works. Benjamin. Um, I don't know. I've been called way worse.
1: <laughs> Does your mom call you Benjamin when you're in trouble?
0: No. <laughs> it was it was a loud shrieky, Ben. And I heard it a lot. I think as a kid. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh,
1: well, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh 201 elk planning. And so you and I uh were chatting in the other day about this whole 201 concept and I was asking you what you thought about it. Um I guess I was trying I don't know if I was defending it or explaining it, but it it's more along these lines of like 101 being the guy that wanders around in the woods hoping to get lucky and the 201 being the guy that consistently kills. Um I will put you in the two on one category, even though you failed to kill an elk this year. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I knew I knew, is, you, I knew you were going to do that. You had that so. jab coming.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. So. Which is fair. Like I mean, uh, you're one of the most consistent killers I know, so it, I can jab you a little bit because no. this is probably the first time you haven't killed an elk in like five years. Yeah, but I don't know, man.
0: Things change, you know. I think I lost it. I think I'm I'm I, I'm back you're to doing? a one on one elk hunter. <laughs> so. Um, I'm gonna go look for some information on being a 101 elf runner. <laughs> Anybody knows anything? Shoot me a DM or something. Just wander
1: around. Close your eyes. Throw a dart at the map. So, wander around and just hope you run into one.
0: <coughs> yeah, you know, the first time, you know, you you hear a bugle, just I mean, forget the wind, just rush in that direction. Dead run, dead run, faster the you know. better. Yep. If they think you're running, they they freeze because they think you can't, they can't see, you can't see them. Yeah. And then you, you stop and you just shoot one. Yeah. Real quick. You got to it. Help. works better if you have a tread bow. You need to wear a loincloth when you do that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. This is the best 201 information ever. There you go. Yep. What are you drinking there? Uh, coffee and beer. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry about it. I, drunk, I started drinking coffee because I was going to work late tonight. Uh, and then you brought beer over. And I never turned you, down a bush latte. Did so. you Did you mix them? No, not together. Oh, okay. <laughs> just checking. Separate. It's like double fisting, but I'm one-handing it. So it's like take one, take the other. Upper, downer. Yeah, upper, upper, downer. <laughs> levels right back out. <clears throat> Alrighty, so um, in your opinion, like, let's first dive in a little bit. Like, what do you think went wrong this year to not kill an elk? Uh, oh, nothing went wrong. Nothing went wrong. I just want to, like, I guess... Put some backstory out there, maybe. You spend a lot of time trying to help other people. You're just a nice guy. Yeah. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say... But that wasn't the reason. I'm not making an excuse. No. And, and,
0: I mean, this, everything I say, I mean, you asked me why I didn't kill an elk. So, anything I answer is essentially an excuse, <laughs> even though there is no excuse. Yeah. I had a fun season. I turned up a, a really good bull before season. Um, and hunted him early. I had a, a couple good friends hunt him with me, mm-hmm. and uh, we together. I got close to him with with a, a good buddy of mine, and you know, using what you call two hundred one
1: planning, like three hundred one hunting. though. No, I'm you not. You had one target I'm, bull, and you were going after him.
0: Essentially, that's what. Yeah, I told myself. Um, new baby at home yeah my wife was on um leave yeah during hunting season this year so and she was essentially eliminating any freezer space (laughs) that we had with milk for the baby Huh. weird um i'm sure you (laughs) know what that's like now um it was and then that bull was around for about the first two weeks of season and then there was a lot of pressure that Came on, you know, in Montana that that pressure guys hunt, you know, second season, second week, and uh, this year second week was a little later. So typically that hot zone in the season, uh, people were spread out over two weeks. Yeah, guys, you know, your hardcore elk hunters, I th- I feel like typically will will spend a vacation in second week of season or third week of season. Well, in Montana this year, the season opened on the 7th. And just using my thought is those guys that hunted second week still hunted second week, but third week was getting to be too late. So everybody that typically hunts third week hunted second week. (laughs) So I think during that week, the the pressure, the additional pressure, you know, essentially pushed um i had a, a group of guys that i you know i've, I've run into for a couple of years up and in, in one of the areas they're from out of state um great guys like you know i hung out with them a little bit this year they they camped right in the head of the drainage that i spend a lot of time in and they were there for a long time they essentially took more than two weeks off and they were there through the end of September hunting. um, Then I gave them some pointers on hunting a couple spots, and there were four of them that had tags. So they hunted those spots, and I just kind of stayed out of there this year. So taking all that into it, I had a a good friend of mine come from back east the last week of the month, um, and he's – essentially uh this was his first year elk hunting mm-hmm. so i spent and he he's he's never hunted the mountains so it wasn't like oh yeah go down that ridge over there or that drainage <laughs> right there you know i mean this is a guy yeah. from michigan never hunted elk before wanted to to see what it was like so and it i mean i don't call it hand hunting because the guy's a killer he, he he's a whitetail wizard man he kills elk all over the country Or not elk, but deer all over the country, different states, prairie states, the Midwest, you know, just kind of, he did the fast course in elk 201 with me. (laughs) So if, if, if you even call it that, so, but, you know, and we had weather toward the end of the month and uh, it was a
1: weird year for sure.
0: Yeah, hunting, hunting with him was, was, the days that we had good weather, I mean, we were in into elk, but those days, you know, where we were up, we're up high enough where I always see snow, always see snow, nine thousand plus feet. Those days that are just kind of a a trickle of snow and in the clouds, it's like you can't glass. Yeah, you're gonna walk around aimlessly, get all wet, have to dry all your clothes out. Your boots are gonna get wet. Yeah. I mean, there was a day where we just stayed in the teepee. And kill the bottle of Crown. I mean, <laughs> um, so, and every time you'd have the slightest little bit of clear up, you'd try to go out and glass and look and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, I, I by no means consider this year a failure in any way. Yeah. Um, you know, in October, I did make it out. And the last day I elk hunted was October 7th. I got in on a, there was a, this drainage that I, I hunt regularly, always has elk in it. I know kind of their movement patterns through the drainage. And I went out second, you know, basically the start of the second week, October, knowing that there were elk there with snow. Um, Went in, played the drainage how I would have played it in September. Towards the end of kind of my, you know, my comb of the drainage, I, I found them. And I got in on them, and I passed on a satellite at, like, 40 yards, and then I had the herd bull at less than 60, feeding through the sage, bugling, stopping, looking around, like, "Mm." had an arrow knocked. And, you know, at the beginning of season, I had that mindset that it's that big bull or nothing that I found earlier. You know, I hit full draw, and I'm like... Nah, you no, know, just didn't get me yeah. excited. I was like, I'm gonna create a lot of work in a lot of <laughs> snow. It's gonna be like five miles side hilling out because I, like, you know, you typically you can drive in yeah. further into this range that I was in, and the snow killed that. So it was like, and it was also grassy side hills. You know, those those really fun ones to walk on when they get yeah. snow on them. And then I'm like, you know three four trips with a 60 to 80 pound pack it's just i mean all things considered and i you know i, I never
1: I, that never runs through my head well okay like, so, yes dead elk ah shit what did i just do
0: i had I, i'm i don't know apparently i'm getting lazy in my old age <laughs> and, um i had meat in the freezer because i've typically i typically have about two elk in the freezer oh. i have a freezer that i have last year's elk in and then i have a a freezer that i'm constantly consuming elk out of so and i I rotate last year's elk into the consumption freezer typically late summer so i have a freezer that i can start putting fresh meat in and yeah my wife was filling that up with little six ounce (laughs) packets of milk (laughs) same ones (laughs) um labeling them and yeah she has this formula she lays them flat so yep. they freeze flat so i mean literally it's like card catalog of like yep. milk
1: yeah i they <laughs> open that freezer right there and then they will fall out like so just, mine uh mine's good at that less good at putting them in the big freezer outside yeah so they tend to just come shooting out of the freezer yeah. every time you want to grab something. that's
0: the difference between <laughs> yeah you
1: know yeah.
0: one organization skill and another yeah. somebody else's no so. shit
1: um no, uh, you know it sounds like it's a good season. Um, I applaud you for passing it. Well, I don't know if I applaud you. Um, well, and it, I mean I say herd bull, you know, <laughs> yeah, just just because like I know that. you love
0: that term. And <laughs> it was a it was a six point. It was, you know, typical Montana. You you know your your run of the mill like second year six short post-treat, thirds post right herd bull yeah short third short fifths um, probably like two seventy two eighty you know. I mean, a good bull, a good bull in anybody's book. I mean, Pope and Young. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't like it was a 300 or a 305 or even a 299 ball. I probably would have shot a 299 ball. No, I would not. See, Joe,
1: just no. Yeah, you would have. (laughs) No, I would (laughs) not. See, just because you didn't shoot an elk this year, I still put you, because I think you went, you were try, like, trying to go that 301 category, which I, I spent a lot of time doing too. And I have struck out a lot of times trying to be 301 when I'm not. What's 301? I mean, Like mm-hmm. being able to target one bull, like being like, this mm-hmm. is the bull I'm going to go and like getting it done on that. I'm elk. not at that level. And I think that's a very, like very few. And even then there's, you know, maybe a few guys, but. I mean, I've, I've had that mentality in the past in mm-hmm.
0: past seasons and then had other bulls walk by me oh totally and i was saying for
1: years that's like i don't know if it's an excuse <laughs> or not but like that's happened more times than not yeah you know? and then
0: there's there's years where i've targeted a bull and then halfway through the season uh-huh. i'm like hell with that yep and then sure. and then killed him yeah oh yeah you did do that so yeah. <laughs> i mean i've had it both ways it's it's, it's fun to target an animal that's specific because you really dive into the details of habits. You know, you start to compile in your head where you've seen him, you know, where he goes in the morning, where he comes out at night. You know, the, and you start to kind of, you, you take a map and you start kind of putting little pins on it all over the place. You're like, okay, when I can't find him, where is he? Yeah. When I can't visually see him, where, is he? where does he go?
1: Would you agree? And I have, I have said this a couple of times that like, I think when you go to that 301 level and you're, and you're trying to target one bull, it makes you, it makes 101 easy and 201 easy. <clears throat> I should say it makes it 201 easy because when you, when you start to think about an elk, like say a target bull is giant bull. You're trying to figure out where he is. And you have to go through so many more details of figuring out the location, the habits and all these things that being consistent on any elk, I'm not going to say it becomes easy, but definitely easier. Like if you were just targeting a giant herd bull that was in a mountain range, like turning up a five point seems to happen like out of accidents or happenstance all the time. And I just feel like when you go after those, one particular elk, you pay attention to more details, you get in the weeds more, you you try to figure it out. And then at that point, it's easier. You have a lot more opportunities in any elk.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, elk are habitual. And I feel like when you're kind of hovering and trying to learn about a, a particular age class animal that's older than all the rest, you start to see these other animals that probably would fall into that same pattern but can't because it's filled by you know what i would call you know a boss mm-hmm. you know within the herd you know nobody's gonna nobody's gonna mess with the yeah. the patriarch of that that herd you know what i mean yeah for sure so
1: um if you went back like when you because this is gonna be interesting kind of from the 101 on perspective because you've only been hunting elk what Uh, 11 years? Yeah, 2007 was my... 2007 first year? I mean, would you consider that year or those first year or two, you're kind of just stumbling around hoping to get lucky? Pretty much. Just walking around. You hear a bugle, you forget wind, you
0: forget sun, (laughs) you forget, you know, all the little details that in any situation could help you and you just like, you start blowing on a call or you walk right at them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I see that in... And in, in guys that hunt now, when I, when I you know, like those guys from out of state that had a camp were here for, like, three weeks, great guys, you know. Uh, they actually knew who I was, not that I'm anybody, but they knew who I was. They're like, oh, yeah, you know. I'd seen them in there, like, four years prior, and then they'd hunted Idaho and then, like, Wyoming, and then now they're back. Like, all of a sudden, they're back, and they've got this this giant camp, and I'm like, you know frustrated to have that up there for that long because you know a lot of people have weekend warriors and have that five-day stint that they can hunt but with those guys i saw him make a lot of those one-on-one mistakes and um you got to kind of take it all with a grain of salt one i mean i told him how to go down off the end of this ridge the elk would pass from the north face in the timber or in the bottom of the basin. they'd feed up and they'd go over the saddle onto the south face and they'd feed you know through the night and he kept going on that ridge and he's like oh man they're right there they're right there they're right there and then the you know if they don't make it to the to the open edge before the end of the shooting light you you know you gotta get out of there without messing them up so they're there tomorrow and
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was he was just what i what I f- figured out is the bull was in the bottom of the the basin that he was he was in bugling mm. in the evening and wasn't even starting to come up until after dark and it's like you know maybe one out of five days or something in that basin you see it cross over in the light, yeah, so it's like you gotta be able to make adjustments, but the position you're in over there with thermals is is as soon as you go over onto that north face, your thermals, unless there's a really strong wind disrupting that, are gonna suck right down to them. And elk put themselves in that position all the time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that they can win. So that's yeah. how they that's how they survive. Yeah. And you got to start thinking like an elk. Why am I where I am at this moment? You know, and you you almost try to reverse engineer the thought process of survival for that animal.
1: Yeah, you so, know another 101... I don't want to say problem or fuck up or whatever you want to call it. Uh that you see a lot. And this is kind of to your point. Not only is it just wandering around hoping to get lucky, it's trying to make a situation out of a non-situation or trying to make something happen when you not when you shouldn't. You know, like just in those scenarios, like a lot of times elk are where you can't mess with them. And like so many times, yep. <laughs> you have to go in there and you get so damn close. You get like ninety percent, and you're like, you just know, all right, this isn't gonna work out. The wind, this is not. This is why they're here. And you don't figure those things out until later. Like you hear a bull bugle, and you know he's sitting on a on the slope, and you're like, man, that seems like an easy enough spot to get to. You get there, mm-hmm. and you realize that the thermals are going this way. The wind's coming over the top. It's gonna create a back eddy right there, yep. and. At one-on-one, I think you, you still have to screw that up enough times. You still, like, walk right into that booby trap, <laughs> so to speak. And I think that's a lot of it is, you know, you're walking into these booby traps. And, you know, for a lot of years, you kind of just hit those booby traps consistently. And then pretty soon you're like, aha, I see what's about to happen here.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you
1: so, got to know when to to make the move and when not but to you, as well.
0: I mean, in retrospect, like that bull that I was after this year, there was a fine line between letting him come out of the basin that he was in enough to get the consistent wind and the fact that he would never do that. Now, if I'd have been more aggressive, I might have blown him out of there, but it wouldn't have been – I kept showing up yeah. expecting to see him, and he was already blown out by somebody else.
1: And that was too – I mean, that's, so, I think, one of the gambles you have at like the, definitely at the 301 level. Even at the 201 level, you have to – you have to make those gambles sometimes? We just said, like, wouldn't you agree that that's kind of like the, the fine line between Sometimes you need to be
0: aggressive. Absolutely. Sometimes, you, sometimes you, you need to be aggressive. And other times you don't because, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Um, it's a lot easier to win a battle if you let the adversary make the mistake. Yep. As opposed to making the mistake yourself. Mm-hmm. If you play yourself into that mistake... But in retrospect, knowing when to strike and and having that down, I mean, there's a there's a there's a love hate relationship with
1: that because oh, sure. you know it's and then just throwing that wild card at people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's happened to me. Like last year, that happened to me. I was waiting on a big bowl, waiting on a big bowl. Thought I was doing the right thing by being patient, and the wind was just real screwy. And it was killing me because that bull was on his feet all day, screaming, checking cows, screaming, checking yeah. cows. And you know, you do that thing where you're like, "I'm sitting back, I'm sitting back," and then ten minutes are like, I gotta go. And then you yep. take off, and you like feel the wind on the back of your neck. Well, and like, then, oh, and then that
0: that situation passes, and you're like, "God, I knew where I was that whole time, and <laughs> I didn't even try anything." You know, <laughs>
1: totally. it's
0: it's it is what it is, and you know, un- until you you're perfect, you know, you're you're ten and zero. which will never happen. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, hunting is about making mistakes and you're going to be, every mistake you make, you're going to learn from it.
1: What's up fellow elk fanatics. If you want to be a better elk hunter, you want to kill more elk, you need a system. And after years of interviewing the best elk hunters in the world, I've put together a four-step system, a framework, if you will, to help you get to the next level. Every single one of the best elk hunters have their system. It just took them 20 years to develop that. And this course is a blueprint for you to develop your system and make you a better hunter. Feedback has been pouring in and everyone says we could charge double for this course, but right now it's only 30 bucks and you get the audio only version. So it's like listening to a podcast. This course skips all the fluff that you got from other courses or you already know and gets right to what you need to know and help you develop your system. And I think that's what people really love about it. No fluff. In three and a half hours, you will have a system that took me 20 years to develop. So if that's not worth $30, I don't know what is. Check the link in the show notes if you wanna check out the Elkhunt 201 course. It's pretty powerful, pretty amazing, and I hope you guys enjoy it.
0: So, I mean, definitely make the mistakes and, and be aggressive, but learn from every moment you're aggressive. And that's one of the things it's just in my spot and stock game that, that I've, I've come to, to kind of use when it comes to L. Because a lot of times I won't even, you know, I, I look at the success percentage on every stock. I'm like, what's the likelihood I'm like, this, this is like a, like a 50 50 or this is a 50% chance I'm gonna get within bow range of that animal. And it could be antelope, could be deer, could be anything. And I think you, if you start breaking it down like that and start only pushing in when you're at like 70, 80% in your yeah. head, you're gonna win that. that
1: that's interaction. a
0: good, that's, Yeah, that's a good, good So I, I, I started doing that with like antelope. You know, I love chasing antelope out in the prairie because it, I mean, It teaches you spot and stalk better than anything. It teaches you to use terrain that you didn't even realize was there. And when you're up in the mountains, it's with elk, it's like the last hundred yards. And I've been on I've been in close to bedded herds so many times that and it's all because of the experience that I've made while stalking other animals. You know? And um I feel like if you look at scenarios and you're like, Yeah, The wind down there probably isn't doing what I'm expecting it to be doing. And Mm. that's going to make, I mean, wind on elk is like, if it's even iffy, they smell you. (laughs) I
1: know. So. It's interesting you say 75%, which I I do that all the time. I'm like, I'm looking at like a 40% chance mm -hmm. I even get close to this thing. and. There's something to be said for the time management. Like there's on one hand, you have experience and go screw up as many stocks as you can because you'll learn. And on the other hand, you have time management of a season, which I think is pretty underrated. you're like a guy that has a five day elk hunting season or a seven day. uh, You have time management. You kind of have to force things. You got to, I mean, you're like, it's running the two minute rule in football. You got, you got to, do some risky shit because you don't have much time left. Yep. Um, and, and so I think that's kind of like the same thing. If you could look at the, yeah. Well, there's like a, there's a, there's
0: definitely a ratio between filling your tags and time spent in the field. I mean oh, that's yeah. part of it. But I feel like that as you as you start to experience more time, and I, I think you look at it. You should look at interactions with with elk in the field. Is like I need to absorb as much of this as possible. I can't just you know, rush in and, end this, so I can move on to the next. Cause number one, I mean, you're going to spend time finding the next number two, if you can stop and like an animal that's been bugling in a particular spot for a long period of time, depending on time of day, late morning or early afternoon, chances are he's in the comfort zone for him. He's comfortable where he's at. That's why he's, he's, you know, being audible at that time of day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and number two, he's in a defensive position where he's likely going to win any kind of interaction. And if you stop and you let that animal, you know, you, you put in your head, you use the terrain features on where you think he might go, and you try to head him off, but keep your wind in a good position um, and are patient about those situations, I feel like that's that's where you're going to be successful. You know, um, I've killed way more critters by being patient than i have by being aggressive
1: i was just trying to think i've probably kill more being aggressive than i have being patient
0: well i mean it's different for everybody
1: yeah no I mean, that's for sure and it's it's that's that's what's worked for me um i've gotten full stints um on hunts where i'll be real real patient and screw up 4 or 5 and instantly go I need to be more aggressive. And then I'll get aggressive and it's like blows it up. And it's like ah, should have been more patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, you
0: you can lose going both ways. Oh, for, you, sure. for, sure, for sure. So
1: you were talking about stocking in on a herd um and being in kind of a I guess you kind of you do a little bit of everything, spot and stock calling and all that. But when you stock into a herd, what tips do you have or what like procedures are like, you know, like trying to stock into a herd i've kind of always said like stock into the first cow the you know, basically mm-hmm. get as close as you can to that one don't try to stock a herd bull oh absolutely look yeah. for your best mm-hmm. lanes and or cover and or like so say a herd stretched out over 100 yards the bull's gonna move around like things are gonna mm-hmm. get shifted around a lot so like don't go at the route you think you're gonna kill a bull go at the route you're gonna get to the closest to the elk period uh would you agree with that or like how do you when you're approaching a herd how do you approach it
0: when i'm moving in on a herd you know if if i uh i mean wind is the number one priority and if the wind is inconsistent at all you're out patient yeah because the 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 hunting style that i have is based on uh, you need a consistent wind i 100 will call if the situation is right, and I've I've read the the situation, um, so you know, taking that into consideration, um, say late morning, you've you've been shadowing a a herd of elk, trying to get into them. Most people at some point will have tried to set up and call, depending on the area that you're in. If you're backcountry. You're in a ways, there's not a lot of pressure. Um, you get a gist for what what the elk are, how they're reacting. They're either yeah. moving away very quickly or you're getting a lot of responses and you're probably irritating the bull, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's a situation like that. I'm going to try to, where are they going? How far are they going? Um, if I can get them to respond and get a good reaction out of him, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to make a move potentially in the, to, to try to get around them or cut them off. If it's a herd that's moving very quickly, I'll, I'll stop calling and try to get within eye sight of that herd. Try to see that herd. So, taking that into consideration, when I get to a point where I feel like I know where they're going or have an idea, you know, they're going to probably slow down and try to bed down at a certain point. I'll try to set up you know, I'm not a pressure, 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 pressure kind of guy. I've heard a lot of other guys say pressure, 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 pressure. Number one, I don't want to walk to the next county to try to find <laughs> another elk. You know, if if, mm. if I'm in this close and it's a bull that I wanna kill. Yeah. You know, and granted I'm not a I'm not a kill anything type of hunter. I like to challenge myself with upper age class animals. Mm-hmm. You know if push comes to shove at the during rifle season here in Montana, I can always fill my freezer with a cow, yeah. so it's not necessarily about the meat or moving on to the next state with my next tag yeah it's about the experience and and you know i'm the term trophy hunter or whatever it's it's a it's a challenge aspect i mean if if I wanted to, I could probably with you know, the, the skill set that I've built over years of experience, I could probably go kill an elk every year if I wanted to. Well, you know, you within m- a
1: day or two. We,
0: you make fun of me for not killing an elk this year. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, it, it doesn't. And I thought about this mid-season. It's like, you know, the more years you do that, the more pressure you're putting on yourself. Oh, I don't like. That's a I good point. That's very true. I don't like true. pressure. Yeah. You know, I want to enjoy the hunt. And I really look forward to next year starting fresh uh. and being like, yeah, now this year I can,
1: <laughs> you know. You will have that consistency around yeah, your shoulders. Yeah, you
0: know, I mean, it's, yeah. and it was like, okay, I got to find somebody to give this elk to because I don't have, or spend another couple hundred dollars on a freezer. <laughs> and it's like, I have a freezer full of meat. You know, I took my dad hunting this year. He killed a, you know, his first antelope. And I love antelope. I killed an antelope he killed an antelope he gave me the meat to that antelope he shot so it's like that's my number one preferred meat meat. anyway i love elk elk would be a very close second and i mean i got i got birds i got you know i mean we killed some ducks here over the weekend i got all kinds of pheasants in the freezer it's like i have no shortage of meat meat so
1: no i'm sure i get it um yeah no i i mean 100 percent accurate it's like yeah it's not tr- trophy and it's running <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh going back like if now when we talk about planning upcoming hunts and things like that going into 2020 um i say everyone everyone i'm starting to plan hunts so think about what we're gonna do next year um how How do you think planning looks different at the 201 level? You know, the guy that's consistently killing elk, how does he plan hunts differently than the guy just looking, like hoping to get lucky one around in the woods? Using research.
0: He's using some of these hunt service, you know, that that give you statistics. And, you know, a lot of the statistics and stuff you can dig around and find directly through state agency websites. But, I mean, some of these... These uh go hunt. Those yeah, things, like yeah. go hunt and stuff like that. They they provide all the information you need, you know, percentage of six points, um to kill ratio, things like that kind of give you an idea of what kind of opportunity you're gonna have. Yeah. I think a two oh one guy is probably diving into those pretty deep. Yeah. You know, he's 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 looking he's looking into what what he wants to hunt, what kind of experience he wants in his hunt. Yeah. And if it's a, if it's a draw hunt, I think, I think when you burn a bunch of
1: tags, it just adds a bunch of pressure. So um, would you, if you were recommending to like someone that, you know, want to be consistently killing elk every year, would you recommend one tag more time or multiple tags?
0: You're going to learn more hunting the same area and elk hunting is as much the ground you're hunting on as it is the animal. And the more, the, the. The better you can learn the ground that you're going to hunt on i mean new ground is uh, you know it it takes a while to digest Mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not something you can just figure out by looking at a map you know i mean you're gonna have you're gonna have ideas but to get into that ground and really and you know an elk's home range is fairly large i mean it's not like you're gonna but unless you, you were like
1: if you had to go have you ever hunted oregon no. If you had to go to Oregon, they have elk in Oregon. Uh, so I hear. Uh, if you had to go to Oregon and kill an elk, do you think you could pick a spot and kill an elk? New spot, never been there. Using or... using research and and stuff that's available to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Or even just, I mean, would you call buddies like that kind of thing? Like, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely, I'd use every resource I could. <laughs> Um, so
1: how is it different, like, now with what you know versus, like, first starting out, and you're like, oh, well, I don't know where I, to
0: go. I'll just go I here. I mean, if it, I I guarantee it'd be a challenge because it's going to take, you know, number one, seven hours from the closest part of Oregon, eight hours from the closest part of Oregon. Yeah. And taking that into consideration, it's like, okay, so that kind of takes scouting. It makes scouting a lot more difficult. You have to e-scout. Yeah. E-scouting is a, is a great way to – kind of get an idea but i've never i've never e-scouted and then showed up at some place i e-scouted and been like yeah this is just like kind of what i expected
1: which is funny because <laughs> i feel like, I, like there's lots of different thoughts on this i could e-scout and i would say i'm 80 percent there and maybe 90 like i've e-scouted some stuff and been like boom just like what i thought <clears throat> i spend stupid amounts of time doing it though and i do think that the, there's something to be said for that and mm-hmm. there's dudes that like just do not e-scout and i think half it is i can look at a computer for 15 hours straight and it doesn't bug me and there's people that look at a computer for 15 minutes and they're like <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm going don't know. crazy i gotta yeah. get outside <laughs> getting shaky <laughs> uh no i think he's like to me it's like e-scouting uh, I remember. Huge. I remember
0: when I okay. So, th- this is a reflection of me moving to Montana and e scouting. So the year I moved to Montana, I put in for the tag as a non resident, knowing well in advance I was going to be moving here. So I paid like eight hundred dollars for an elk tag.
1: Yeah.
0: I had did a bunch of e scouting and I didn't do a lot of research on the units I was e scouting. I'm like, oh, that mountain range looks pretty cool.
1: Yeah.
0: And I e scouted uh, back country. Um, That's along the Yellowstone National Park boundary on the north edge of the park. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a trail that goes in here. And, you know, I marked a bunch of spots that look like they were elky. And and then, so I moved out here in the spring (laughs) after e-scouting. And, oh, yeah, rifle season starts September 15th there. So that one was out. The other unit or area that I e-scouted, I'm like, this looks really cool. You know, and this is, again, this is, like, total flatlander, yeah. you know. I was, I was once a naive Midwestern guy <laughs> dreaming of, to be an elk hunter. Um, I e-scouted, and I'm like, ah, this, this looks really nice up here. And, you know, without doing the proper research, and I move here. That unit was the hardest unit to draw in the state for elk.
1: So there was no (laughs) way out
0: on that unit. The other unit was infested with grizzly bears. The wolves had been killing that North Yellowstone herd. Yeah. And I was just being an idiot looking at shit that was like 20 miles back. (laughs) So, um, I I mean, mean, for lack of a better way to put it, it was like... And they didn't have the tools that are available now. Oh, I mean. I could have easily, oh yep, let's mark that unit off. I'm not going to yeah. look there, you know. That's funny. unit 380, you yeah. know, <laughs> Elkhorns, Montana. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is, is there's so many tools now. It's it's you take a lot of the guesswork out of it. Yeah. So that first year I came here, and a couple of the areas that were kind of moderate and difficulty to get into, semi close to Bozeman here, I went out. And I backstrapped a bull that I called in to twenty five yards from a thousand yards out across this canyon that was probably six or seven hundred vertical feet down into the bottom. First year Al on a read call. He was just lost his mind and just came running in. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. It's just a big five point came. Yeah up the hill i could hear him breathing before i could see him i mean he he was like <laughs> and tongue hanging out he got up i drew back i lost my mind <laughs> you know a giant forest horse hit like 30 yards i put my seven pin sight on him and i'm like they all fit i'm just gonna let it go and i hit him high in the back strap and he ran down the hill and stopped probably 50 yards from where the arrow hit him and stood there and i walked back up the hill and I kind of was like, kind of gathered myself for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And about 30 minutes go by. I walk back over to the edge of the hill. The, the elk was still standing in the same spot. <laughs> and I blew him out. And I got down to where he was standing. And there was a probably a baseball spy's spot of blood Yeah, that was, you know, drip, drip. Yeah. Drip after him standing there for a half an hour, <laughs> and he ran like nothing was wrong. So, you know, and I was like four or five miles back from the end of this this road, and you had to go around this private section to get back to it. So I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna out walk everybody. Yeah, you know. Does and it, do
1: you think that's a good strategy these days?
0: No, <laughs> no. There's there's always gonna be somebody in better shape that has more ambition to hike further and um but all the elk in the backcountry you blow on a call and they just come running in so i think everybody should hunt backcountry so no so so that bull and and granted that bull my first year and this is this is i was like a a a 10.1 elk hunter at that point he came in and i screwed that up um you know, and it was it was just my, you know, the first experience you have with an elk. And the next time I came in, um, I, I came back. I looked all that day, and then I had to walk all the way out. I got a buddy from town, and we drove all the way back. We hiked all the way back in and looked all day the next day. And we found all kinds of crazy elk sign back in there. And then we hiked out. And then I decided to go the opposite way from town and went, on a day hunt nine miles up this drainage (laughs) a day hunt a day hunt you know again stupid young you know not much of a a good plan but a a local guy had had said yeah i'd go up here you know and i still had my midwest lungs so i hadn't i hadn't really acclimated i wasn't in any kind of mountain shape or anything like that and we hiked in and, you know, essentially went for a long hike to take a nap to, to hike a long ways out. <laughs> and so I woke up at like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and there were bulls bugling where we had taken a nap. And we're like, oh, well, let's go down and check it out. And my friend that I was with stayed behind. He didn't have a tag, so he was just along for the ride. It's like, I'll oh, stay back here. Call, just move down there a little ways and maybe they'll come in. and. I had three bulls come in, trying to figure out the call. It was two satellites and then a herd bull, and it was a uh, a big five by six, big big framed elk. He only had one set of brow tines, uh. and he had a like a kicker off his where his beam and his sword kind of went out. And I mean, I thought it was a giant. I mean, and it was a, it was a good bull, but yeah. it was like a you know that was the the inexperienced like. I'm thrilled with anything with horns and this is a, yeah. I saw him, I thought, Oh, it's a six point, but I didn't notice he only had one set of brows, but he had like 50 inch beams and Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Damn. um, it was a, I mean, I talking about it now I can go through everything. Cause he raked a tree at like 40 yards for like a half an hour And knowing what I know now, I would have moved and shot him there. (laughs) (laughs) But there's like one tree between us, and um, you know, it was just panic for us. It was pretty, pretty thick, pretty vegetative. I mean, it was it was like lodge poles with like Christmas trees underneath, you know, that kind of stuff. And he was he was making just going to town, yeah, just going to town on one of
1: those. So, what advice would you give your uh, you know your starting out self, your one on one self, that first couple years, if you could go back? Um, put more time into scouting. Really? Yeah. Like boots on the ground scouting? Boots on the
0: ground scouting, hiking around, um, learning how the elk move through the country, I think has a lot to do with being able to get in front of the elk. I mean, I, you know, and I've heard you say things like, you know, you like to record your, your elk paths Mm -hmm. that you walk around the forest, you know, when you get in the mountains, you walk around on those elk paths and you mark them on your, on your GPS. And by doing that, you're, you're mapping out some of their movement patterns and, you know, granted you walk 200 yards down one of those trails. Well, you get off that trail and then you look at it, the big picture from like an aerial photo view and you're like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. And then it wraps around right Mm -hmm. there. And you're like, Oh, there's a bench up there. It probably goes to, so next time you're in that country and you see that, opportunity you know where you hear that bull bugle and you're like he's kind of up there i'm like i bet i can get up there all stealthy like if
1: i'm on that trail you know it's very underrated that nobody thinks about you ever notice that like elk trails will be just main main lines for four or five hundred yards but then seem to dissipate into nothing but if Mm -hmm. you try to find it the other way it also dissipates to nothing well, it's because there's two feeding spots. They'll start to like spread out yep, right there. Absolutely. And so if you think about it, you're like, it's the same thing. You put it on a map. You're like, why is this trail only a main line for this quarter mile? Because that quarter mile they're not using. I mean, it's like a freeway. Yeah.
0: You look at it like a freeway that goes to a a, a town. Yeah. And you get off that freeway. And there, there isn't that freeway anymore. It's not yeah. four lanes with ditches and everything else. It's, yeah. it's like those are your travel corridors. Yeah. You know, if you get to the point where you completely lose that, and a lot of times it's the terrain they go through because they're navigating terrain. Yeah,
1: but that's a key indicator if they're Absolutely. navigating the terrain. Like, okay, they're, they're just in using that, this as
0: a pass through. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, no. Um, and that's. I mean, it's it's little details. You know the. I think success is in the details of, of what you find when you're scouting and elk that are under pressure are harder to scout because I think they change a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the key to being successful, and it's not an option for everybody to get out there and scout, but the key to being successful is knowing the terrain. Yeah. So, and I think, I mean, that's a shortfall that, that a lot of people make and, and like once you learn an area and you know you, you say you're you know you you see a big bull chances are that big bull lives there he's not he didn't just walk through that opening once in his life <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. or walk through that block of timber he probably has a relationship with the tree that he walked by, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the other thing too, is that just because the you can't see the elk doesn't mean they're not there.
1: Do you think people tend to default to that bull's gone? Like he, absolutely he, he 100% is running 20 miles away from here. That bull's
0: gone. That buck's gone. Everything <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter what you're pursuing. You know, people like I'm driving down the damn road and I have an animal run across that sparks my interest. I'm like looking on a map. I'm marking my location. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I was driving through the um, the eastern Montana this year. Middle of prairie. Nothing. Middle of the night this year. Giant bull elk on the shoulder of the road in the dark. It was well after dark. I'm like, whoa, shit. <laughs> Drop a pin right there. Yeah. So I'm like. Got to go back and look at some of that, see where that guy likes to call home and everything else. It's like, and I was, it was in a season that was like,
1: all right, let's just delete this part of the podcast. Yeah, you, <laughs> you have to edit this out.
0: It's, it's little things like that. I mean, don't,
1: you it's know, the only times in my life, uh, at Roosevelt hunters, write this shit down. Like, you in Roosevelt country, you'll be driving the roads, gravel roads, night, elk across the road. Guess what? Those elk live within a quarter mile of that, right where they were. Like maybe a mile tops, but it's a mm-hmm. Roosevelt. They yeah. don't go far.
0: Maybe you drive right by them on your way to your oh, hunting spot every, every freaking morning. day.
1: Yeah, you know how many times I've been like, "Oh, there was elk." Same thing can yeah. be said for tracks, though. You could, I mean, mm-hmm. you on Idaho, man. People, people fresh think, snow? "Let's go buzz around and see where some tracks are." People, people think that that. Just because
0: there were elk here doesn't mean there's elk here now, and yeah. that's exactly not the case. That's what they want you to think. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're playing tricks on us, leaving those marks on the ground. It's, it's. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's subtle details like that, you know. And and that's the thing is, I mean, I hunted. I that's hunted, the
1: advice you'd give to yourself: is subtle details.
0: Yeah, just pay attention. Details in general,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and and there's there's been years where i've hunted particular drainages is where you know there's a lot of predators say wolf for instance and this this one drainage is real tight you know kind of cliffy and it boxes at the end so there's no i mean there's (laughs) trails out over the end but elk aren't gonna just you know
1: oh let's see what's on the other side of this ridge today i I just want everyone to know that ben's using really good hand signals for all you podcast listeners (laughs) I just want you guys to appreciate that as much as I am appreciating Drink your beer, okay?
0: <laughs> um, no, so, like, the elk are either there or they're not. Mm-hmm. And if you if you spend all this time in this drainage and you don't see any fresh sign, it's, it's time to yeah. move to the next one. Yeah. Where other years, same drainage, in my experience. Oh, there's some fresh elk you know, on this steep hill down to this river and they're crossing this river. There must be elk in here. And you spend 24, 36, 48 hours in there and you've either blown all the elk out of there or if you're patient and you kind of pick your moves to best your situation with the wind and thermals and everything like that, you kind of start to, see more of what their movement is and i mean at 48 hours if it's sunday now you gotta go home you know what i mean and that's the problem that most people have it's like in 48 hours you can you get such a small little snapshot of what is going on by 72 hours you know and, and you know you go to days and by by four days you're like they've been doing this thing Pretty religiously, and then you—that's when you—you you pounce, yeah. you know. And it's tough. You got to get lucky. I think if you're inside of two days, if you're a weekend guy,
1: man, that's like—I think my biggest advice to the weekend, not to the weekend warrior, yeah, to the weekend warrior, but to any one-on-one, like, don't be a weekend warrior. You—it's lo- mm-hmm. <laughs> so hard to learn anything with a two-day snapshot of what's happening. Like, yep. it'll take me two, three days to figure out what's happening. like then another two to three days to capitalize on it. And that's if you're like working on 80% stocks and 80% call situations. Like, yeah, I mean, you could go multiple days and just get screwed up. And that's what it's like. It's, I just think it's so hard to learn at a weekend basis. Mm -hmm. And I get that's not an option for everyone.
0: Yeah. And it's, and that's just it. I mean, you know, if you go back to the same area um, and are hunting elk in the same area, You, you, you can, a lot of times you can apply what you've learned before, but it's, I mean, they're what you're going to learn. I mean, I've used the details that I've used to kill elk typically are fresh details, but experience in that, in the vicinity has helped me do that. Mm. So, you know, the, the key tidbits of information that I get Uh, prior to being successful typically are are applied in a strategy to kill that elk Uh, they're fresh Mm -hmm. you know very seldom do i take something i learned two weeks ago (laughs) to kill the elk so you know when you talk about an area and
1: Um, let me preface this by saying I'm not telling you where I hunt Cody you've been asking me forever (laughs) when we talk about areas I feel like I'm getting a lot of messages and seeing a lot of um guys that I think are hunting too small of an area so when we say area you know like I'm not Mm. talking about one drainage of one road and that's what you spend Mm. 10 days in um when you talk about area like how much area are you like referring to
0: depends depends on the terrain depends on how open the terrain is because if i have a good vantage i can cover like eight square miles of some ridges and some open parks and meadows and stuff like that if if i'm in a a good enough spot yeah to to visually be able to see i mean i
1: think that's what i'm getting at i'm trying to bait you into this question of like people need to hunt more ground like if you're not getting into help, keep going Cool. And well, I'm not yeah, saying that you don't I mean, have to hike 20 you, miles. I'm you, saying
0: if you don't see any sign that's less than two days old in an area that you're hunting yeah. or three days old, um, I would say... Don't set up and blind call for 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be be able to be mobile. Yeah. Um, set yourself up with good, good enough gear to, to you know, it, and it can be applied in, in any type of hunting. I mean, we just duck hunted this weekend and we... Set up a bunch of stuff and oh, like man. watch the watch the ducks land over there, and then we moved, and yeah. then
1: in an hour and a half or two hours we were done. Yeah, so Dude, that's a good example. Like it, it's funny because you and I didn't even hesitate. Like ah, pick up shop, even yep. though we completely set up. We just set up all our decoys <laughs> and yeah, and we were a new area. It was yeah. it was
0: a new area to both of us, and this is this is kind of one of those things, and um. We, I wasn't gonna just sit there and watch these ducks land. Yeah, you know, quarter mile away. Exactly, <laughs> and it's yeah. Let me look at my map. Oh yeah, there's water over there we can get to. Yeah. Okay. Let's pick them up. <laughs> yeah. So no, uh,
1: yeah, Adapt overcome. Uh overcome. It's that ninety ten. Mm-hmm. And I do think when you need do the ninety. The ten gets easier. Yeah,
0: I think. And then as you learn, as as you can you can visualize success as you you are successful you'll start to reinforce some of the habits of being patient waiting because you know if you have all weekend and you you go into your spot in the dark to set up camp at night and you hear elk bugling and first thing saturday morning you you go up and you you call it the bull and the wind is wrong and that bull leaves you got all weekend to find another elk. Yeah. Or if you were patient and a little bit more particular about some of the moves you made, that elk has no reason to leave where he is. You're the only facet that's going to give him a reason. Now, if you're hunting in an area where there's another camp that can hear that elk, yeah, that's it's kind of one of those things. You got to be more aggressive stuff like that. But I feel like if if you feel like you're in a spot where you're going to make that
1: move. You're going to do that. You know, when it comes to like hunting pressure, um, specifically archery elk hunting, when is the go, no go for you? Like there's one guy in the same drainage. Like some people be like, ah, screw it. There's people here. I'm out. Are you like, well, I'll grind it out until they bump the elk or I bump the elk.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I had an, I had an interaction with a gentleman this year, um, at a, trailhead that <clears throat> he he's a weekend guy his job allows him weekends yeah. and he haunts an area that i hunt and he sees me up there he gets there on thursday he sees me up there he gets there on you drive around until you find your truck and then well <laughs> we, so we haunt the same area basically yeah. and you know he's he said he's going in here a lot of times i'm willing to give some information to get some respect my way Mm -hmm. and you know and and i'm i'm a selective guy and i'm like well this particular situation i was hunting a particular bull that was using an area that he he was physically able to access and i was like well i'm going in there too (laughs) but i was like okay i'll tell you what i know i know where you're gonna be i'm not gonna interfere at all with you there's one bull that i'm after is what i told him i'm like i'm not here to to screw anybody over. Yeah. I, I want to see you be successful as much as I want to be successful myself. Yeah. And I'm like, if you shoot something, I will help you as much as you need, get that animal out. But I'm like, I'm going to be over there too. In that vicinity, I'm looking for a particular animal. I'm like, I'm going to stay back. Yeah. I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to come in and call because the night before, the animal that I'm targeting was in that saddle and he was the guy was hunting a saddle you know he'd hunted up there for a number of years he'd found a lot of information out about the ground couldn't tell you how many elk he'd killed up in that saddle or not but the bull i was looking for was in that saddle with 30 cows the night before Mm -hmm. so i'm like i'm gonna be close and what did he say um and i'm like i promise you i'm not gonna mess with you i'm not gonna set myself up so my wind is screwing you or anything like that i'm just i'm like he's like well i don't care you know and and he was he was uh i mean he wasn't happy yeah because i told him you know we we were both there he was messing around in his truck and i'm like hey you know where are you headed tonight and i won't get into the details about our previous conversation because um every time he goes up there he sees me and he's like just you know yeah
1: just
0: just one of those situations where he's like man he's always up here or something like that and it's like well, you know it's public land you know yeah. so and and in that situation that bull didn't didn't go in there i mean he wasn't he wasn't in the area um that bull that i was targeting it was early in the hunt and, um you know um he he got to his spot i stayed out of there and you know, he, like I said, he wasn't happy, but it was like, I mean, no, that I'm not, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing this. <laughs> and it's like, it is what it is. It's, it's public land. And I, I was completely honest in everything that I told him. I mean, That's kinda,
1: I mean, usually I'm targeting a specific bull. So if I'm in an area and someone else is there, like herd bulls, right? No, uh, forked horns. I only target special forked horns. Herds. Heard heard, heard <laughs> forked horns. Uh but like in those situations you're like, I'm gonna go where he goes. Like Yep. Well and that's and, just I, it. I, there's I no mean, reason for me to go somewhere else. Like there's one thing I'm after.
0: That was that was exactly my, my like, point. And I, I think a lot of people don't can't connect with that because yeah. they're like, that's impossible. I mean
1: yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: And it is what it is. And I mean what got to it with that with that bull was pressure i mean pressure pushed him out of there he which was okay with me because he didn't get killed by somebody else yeah um i mean I, I kept pretty good tabs there was there's two ways in there and i bounced back and forth and another another small six was killed during my time on the mountain but it was it was one of those, those yeah situ- but did he make it through rifle that well yeah i yeah. mean once once archery's done i'm like okay you're big for a reason um, luck be with yeah. <laughs> you and
1: <laughs> luck be with you yeah uh, so no. for sure and it, the same way yeah it's uh um, I mean know.
0: that that bull that I killed with a recurve I I hunted for two years and I I had interaction with him all season long one season and it was one of those situations where it just didn't come together I killed a different bull And then I was trying to help my cousin kill him because I'm like, I want this to go to somebody I know if we can put it together. You know, I told my cousin, Kevin, you kill that bull. I mean, you're, you might as well just retire. (laughs) It was, it was, it would be his first bull.
1: Oh, okay. So,
0: um, and we had, we had him up and down the hill on a big open sage hillside down at the very bottom of this super deep draw, you know, And he just, I mean, he was, he was too smart. He he was too far ahead of of the game. And that was late September. And I remember that, that year. And then watching him for the first two weeks of the the next season and then losing him like two thirds through the second week. And then only lasting like five days. I'm like, there's elk everywhere. They're all screaming their heads off. (laughs) I just need to kill something. Yeah. I kind of, was like, whatever, I'm going after that bull. And look who shows up. I mean, it was dumb luck. Yeah. But I was in very close proximity to the original drainage that he was in. And it's just up and over a saddle into the, the next oh, one. Yeah.
1: Could have been there. Yeah. A couple minutes.
0: So, and that's just it. I mean, if you, if you find a bull, if you ever see a big bull, take note. Chances are that bull lives where you saw him. And I think a lot of people don't think of that, you know, and when you start hunting a particular animal, I think it, it changes your movement patterns and you start kind of homing in on a smaller area and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people just take it for granted and just walk, 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 walk. Oh, there's a bull. walk, 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 walk. And it's like, yeah, you're walking through all kinds of good country, but you're not putting enough pins together to connect the dots later to help you kill that animal. Yep. You know, 100%. you're just, it's a dumb luck game. Yeah. And, you know, eventually it's like half-assing it the whole time. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Half-assing it, but with a hundred percent effort. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're still half-assing it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. With you're you're exceeding all effort and you're not using your brain. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. 100%. So, that's really
0: and really I think nice. that's, that's how you need to look at that. I mean, when you, you know, Elk are where they are, but if you see a big elk, chances are he's there, and that's where he is.
1: Yeah, you know, and he's not gonna leave. Yeah,
0: I mean, he lives there for a reason. You know, a guy calls a bull in, and that bull that I passed on on October seventh this year was the same bull elk that I had, um, very close to dying when my friend from Michigan came out. Yeah. So that bull, I mean, that was the bull we came in, and the reason why I know it was him was. Really stubby short thirds, really stubby short fifths, but a big, huge frame and laid out real wide. I mean, a real distinct character. Yeah. Um, and it's not a character trait that I see on a lot of elk in oh, the area. Sure. So it was like, dude, that's him. And, huh. it, and he had the same color horns. And, and it's like that, that was probably, I would say, a 1,000 yards from where was. from where he was
1: how and, many days are there
0: uh that would have that would have been like the 24th 23rd of september to october 7th
1: no cows on 24th
0: no he was dogging a cow oh, on the it? 24th he was like straight up like that's the reason why he survived like the <laughs> the hot cow went by and kept going up the trail and 3 minutes later he was like hot on her tail yeah Yeah. like nose to the ground like straight up like dogging like Uh, we cow called at him he looked and then sniffed and then kept going yeah (laughs)
1: that's funny so it's hard to compete with that
0: (laughs) a thousand yards That's, that's that's all the further that bull had gone i mean granted he you know he was he was there though yeah and that's the thing you know you you encounter a big bull just because you can't see him, just because you can't hear him, doesn't mean he's not there. Yeah. And, you know, chances are he probably wasn't in that draw the entire time between the end of September, you know, the 20th, 22nd, 23rd of September to October 7th, he probably jumped over into the next base and probably jumped over into the one on the other side. But that's where he lived. Yeah. And I think that's a, a common thing that people – lose in their head and not every bull is like that i mean there are bulls that you know i've seen some crazy statistics you know this bull was 60 miles from where he summers and he's got a radio collar on his neck you know that i mean there's there's travelers too i mean to every you know with
1: that september isn't that killing them time frame yeah yeah can be pretty consistent yeah uh um, yeah that's good stuff man. At least we're kind of getting along anyway. Uh any final thoughts on being more consistent as no hunter? Scout. Scout scouting Get is Get the best tags you can.
0: Yeah. I mean I think uh I think Oregon is awesome. I think people should hunt Oregon more. <laughs>
1: You say it every time you on the podcast. No. Um, Usually you say Idaho, so well, least you know, go it up. go
0: further. There were enough oh, people in Idaho yeah. this year. <laughs> no. Idaho's good. I mean Colorado gives a tremendous amount of tags out. And and it's been throwing some giant bulls. And there's no wolves down there right now. Oh, there's wolves down there.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> So No, I say get the best tag you can. Um, hot topic. It's gonna be a better It's gonna be a better hunt. It's gonna you're gonna know, learn more, it's gonna be easier. To well get by best it. tag, what do you mean? The most
0: expensive tag?
1: Does that mean it's better? What oh, makes a tag better? I that's that's a deep well. But well, I would I, say I, rising elk populations. Okay. Um stable elk populations. Or stable, maybe second best. Mm-hmm. Um I like rising elk populations but
0: use some of these over I, objectives yep yeah, yeah. i think uh um hunt something that if at all possible you can scout
1: yeah uh, another th- another pro tip if you're if you use go hunt you know how you can run the filter like 320 plus bulls don't hunt those units everybody's trying to hunt those units like you, if you're if you're trying to like be a consistent elk hunter you don't need to kill a 320 bulls. Like, go kill 270 to 300 inch bulls, and go to a place where you're going to get more at bats. So go to an area where you're going to have tons of elk versus like 12 freaking elk. But yeah, there's a potential of a 350 bull. Like, you're not going to learn anything in that unit. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough, and there's going to be a pile of people if it's an over-the-counter unit. Yeah. Uh, so I I like at bats. That's what yeah? I consider a good unit. Like high bull to cow ratios. Mm-hmm. Uh high elk populations. High elk populations, mm-hmm. like those kinds of things. Less roads. I mean, one of the first things I do when I look on Go Hunt I'm like, man, that is a kick ass hunt. I jump onto Onyx and I'm like, I don't think I could get away from people. Like, there's motor vehicle all over this shit. And mm-hmm. like there's roads all over. And like I don't need roadless. I'm not looking for roadless, but I do need some pockets. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's what what in your definition is a pocket? How many square miles? I would say at least over five square miles. I think if you over
0: five miles, if you can hike two miles from any given parking spot, you're going to put yourself in an advantage to 70% of the
1: yep, I would agree
0: with that. I I think if I think if you there's places where it's hard to find a two mile gap though. Yep, and if there isn't a two mile gap. I crunkle that map up, throw in the
1: trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's well, that's why I say like good, good units. I wouldn't, I, I that gave a
0: visual know. there. Cody didn't. I know.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah. He crinkled hands through over his shoulder. Yeah. Good job, Ben. The visual is <laughs> <laughs> like charades for blind people. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All um, So, tips be patient. Yep. Don't hunt in Montana. Uh, Oregon's better. No. Uh, Montana's good, but, <laughs> I mean,
0: it's an expensive tag. There's there's good tags in Idaho. There's Colorado is a
1: fairly affordable tag, you know. <laughs> You're not convincing people. I know. <laughs> Wyoming. I you can get two tags. That's a hot topic, too. Yeah. <laughs> If, you, if you're quick, yeah. If you're quick, no shit. You should have bought, already bought them. Now you can't. Um, <clears throat> all right, buddy. Well, appreciate it. If um, everybody should go, jump on Ben's Instagram. Ben, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I've posted none since two thousand and eighteen. Really? I think, yeah. I think my last post was two thousand and eighteen. Such a rebel. <laughs> I don't know. I hate, I think I hate Instagram. I hate all social media. <laughs>
1: That's fair. All right, buddy. We got to hang it up, but thanks again. Uh, Great tips. Anybody's got questions, uh, we'll get Ben to answer the questions on Patreon. So that's all there is to it. Cool. Peace. Alrighty, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource and it's going to make you a better hunter. I guarantee that. Or we'll refund your money. Uh, If you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.